Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. The Gospel lesson for today is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. This can be found on page 969 of your pew Bible. John the Baptist, imprisoned by Herod Antipas and sentenced to death, began to have doubts that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Jesus points, to John, Jesus points John to his many acts of healing and restoration, which fulfilled the words of prophecy about the coming Savior. A reading from Matthew, chapter 11, beginning with the first verse. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not... What did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to, to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. This may come as a surprise, but I've been inside a number of prisons. Not for any criminals I've committed, it's not that exciting of a story but rather because I've gone in to offer friendship and support and the love of Jesus Christ to prisoners. If you've ever done prison ministry, you know that entering into a prison is a pretty unpleasant experience. It's very dehumanizing. You turn over all your personal possessions, they put them in a lockbox, and the guards, who really aren't interested at all in having any kind of friendly conversation with you, they lead you through a series of doors and you hear them click locked behind you as you go further and further into the prison. You get this sense that you're not going anywhere. And uh, I just remember when I go into prisons, there's like a, a shift in the atmosphere in there. See anxious eyes darting around. Time seems different inside prison walls. Time seems to just go excruciatingly slowly. And I remember I used to go visit a man in the New Jersey State Penitentiary named Craig. And Craig was in prison for life for committing a series of serious crimes. 
And while he was in prison, he met Jesus. He experienced the freedom of forgiveness from the gospel. And this was actually a frustrating thing for Craig. He would express to me his impatience. He knew that he had to serve the rest of his life in prison, yet he also knew what awaited him in glory. He experienced the already of being forgiven by Christ, but the not yet of ultimate freedom in glory. I remember feeling that frustration with him, and I remember and I, I got to experience prison, but I got, also got to leave. You know, I'm only in there for a couple of hours. I remember being relieved to leave prison, get my personal belongings back, and step out into the parking lot. But if I'm being honest with you, if I look around at our world, even outside of prison walls, there's something that I resonate with in Craig's frustration. It's what theologians call the already, not yet. We've already experienced the freedom that comes from salvation through Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, yet we have not yet seen the fulfillment of all of his promises. Advent is a perfect time to think about this because we are celebrating both arrivals of Jesus, his first coming into the world and his second coming into the world. And we're on the timeline of history in the already, not yet. The kingdom has come, but not all the promises of Scripture have yet been fulfilled. Am I alone in feeling that tension, that anxiety? As you look around in this world, I believe in Jesus, yet I also feel a bit of an impatience for the fulfillment of all his prophecies. I see a few heads nodding. I know I'm not alone. John the Baptist and his imprisonment here in Matthew chapter 11 gives us a great illustration and great wisdom and instruction from God of what to do with our impatience between the already and the not yet. So let's go to the word together to hear God's instruction for us. Matthew 11 verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ. I want to stop right there. When John heard in prison. Why is John in prison? Well, we met John last week, a wilderness prophet out there in the wilderness calling people to repent calling people to confess their sins and repent and be baptized because they're going to meet Messiah. We also heard John the Baptist really sticking it to the Pharisees and Sadducees. Remember that? He called out their unrighteousness. Well, John, being the wilderness prophet that he was, didn't just call out the religious powers that be. He also knew something about King Herod. King Herod was in an unrighteous marriage. And John the Baptist had the courage to go around telling everybody with ears to hear that King Herod was in an unrighteous marriage. You can imagine how King Herod felt about that. Locked him up. This is why John the Baptist is in prison. We know that he was in prison for as much as a full year. So when John the Baptist was in prison, hearing about the deeds of the Christ... He has a question for Jesus. He sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, 
Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Whoa. John the Baptist. Are you really the one, Jesus? Now this, we have to understand the scandal and the shock of this question coming from the lips of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, of all people, knew that Jesus was the one. John the Baptist, we saw him last week out there in the wilderness saying, confess, repent, be baptized for we are preparing the way for the coming Messiah. When Jesus did walk onto the scene of the banks of the Jordan River, we didn't get to this part last week. When Jesus did arrive, John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then John baptized Jesus in the Jordan. And while he baptized Jesus in the Jordan, we remember the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Well, there was something else that happened in that moment. The voice of the Father boomed from heaven like thunder, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist heard that. He heard God the Father say, Yep, this is the one. John the Baptist, whose disciples started peeling off from his ministry and going to Jesus, John the Baptist said, yeah, that's right. I must decrease so that he would increase. But even long before that scene on the, out in the wilderness on the banks of the Jordan, long before that day, decades before that day, John the Baptist was in utero. He was in his mother's womb, Elizabeth, when Mary walked into the room with Jesus in her womb. And what does the text tell us? The baby inside Elizabeth leaped upon the arrival of Jesus. That's John the Baptist. If anyone on planet Earth knew that Jesus was the one, was the Messiah, it was John the Baptist. Yet he says, hey, hey, go ask Jesus something for me. Ask him if he's the one or if we should look for someone else. Dude. I mean, John the Baptist. It's shocking on the one hand. But actually, if you think about what John had heard, what he had been telling everyone in the whole region to expect, we begin to understand a little bit more about this question. See, John the Baptist, yes, he had heard that booming voice from heaven, but he had also heard Jesus' own words at his first sermon. It's recorded in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus proclaimed in Nazareth, said, the Holy Spirit is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, and freedom for the captives. You see, so John the Baptist had gone around telling the whole region when Messiah comes, when Jesus comes, all the unjust imprisonments, all the oppression from Rome, they're all going to go away because Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. And then it's John the Baptist who gets locked up. You see the problem here? Oh, man, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this isn't Jesus. Messiah has already come, yet he has not yet fulfilled what he came and promised to do. John is still in prison. This is what I call an impatient prophet. Wilderness prophets are often impatient. He's in prison for up to a year. He's feeling the impatience of being in prison for that year, but he's also carrying the impatience, the longing of 400 years of the people of God waiting for Messiah to come and set the captives free. Are you really the one? Wilderness prophets are often impatient, especially when they're unjustly imprisoned. 
on April 12, 1963, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was imprisoned in Birmingham. He had traveled to Birmingham to call out the injustices of segregation. And he was put in prison. And while he was in prison, he got a newspaper. And in the newspaper, there was a letter to the editor written by 10 pastors in Birmingham. And these 10 pastors had gotten together to call out the work of Martin Luther King Jr. And he wanted to respond to them. So he started scribbling in the margins of that newspaper and eventually was handed a notepad and he completed what then later became known as Letter from Birmingham Jail. It was widely distributed and still studied to this day. It was a response to those pastors. Listen with me to a couple of the quotes. It's very similar to what John the Baptist, I think, was feeling during his imprisonment. The one you learn in school is this one. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. That's from Letter to Birmingham Jail from MLK. But he also says this, we have waited for more than 340 years for our constitutional and God-given rights. MLK sounds a little bit like JTB, John the Baptist here. And he says, I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience. See, MLK is expressing the tension of the already and the not yet. We're impatient for the kingdom to fully come. I saw those heads nodding a few minutes ago when I asked you, if you look out at the world, do you feel the same tension? I know I do. I believe that the kingdom has been initiated by Jesus Christ, and yet, as the song says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know this song, don't you? This song was actually written on this exact theme, on this exact topic, written by a band called U2. The lyricist is a guy named Bono, the lead singer of the band. Listen to one of the lyrics. You broke the bonds, he says. He's talking to Jesus here. You loosed the chains. Carried the cross of my shame. Oh, my shame. You know I believe it. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Do you see the already and the not yet here? Jesus, I believe that you came. You died on the cross to free us from our sins. You loosed those chains. Yet when I look out at this world, I don't see what I'm looking for. I don't see the full extent of the fulfillment of your promises. The already and the not yet. What does Jesus say to impatient wilderness prophets like MLK and JTB and you and me? Verse 4, we get the reply. Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. Okay, oh, he's referencing his first sermon. The Isaiah prophecy that's being fulfilled in him. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Do you notice the glaring omission? Isn't this interesting? Jesus sends word back to John the Baptist. He would have known full well what the prophet Isaiah had said. Jesus, you're missing something from the list. Freedom for the prisoners? Wow, what's Jesus saying to John? He's saying, John, yes, I am the one who has come. 
and I'm fulfilling the promises that I was put on this earth to do, but for some of the things, you're going to have to wait a bit longer to see fulfilled. Then he says in verse 6, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. What's he saying here? He's saying, look, I recognize the tension you're feeling. I recognize that you believe that I've come into the world as a Messiah, but you're not yet seeing the fulfillment of all of my prophecies. I recognize that. Now, some people get offended by that. They turn away from me because of that. But you're blessed if you lean into it. Lean into this tension, impatient wilderness prophets. Lean in, and you will discover a blessing in there. What is that blessing? We're going to look at it in just a moment. And then Jesus goes on to really affirm John. I'm not going to preach on those verses. You can talk about them in your life groups this week. I'm skipping this part for time. But Jesus affirms John. He's saying, yeah, go ahead and ask that hard question about the already and the not yet. You're blessed when you lean in to it. So that's the invitation is to lean into that tension when we look around at the world and still don't see what we're looking for. But there's also an assignment. There's an assignment that God gives to us. Those of us who believe in him, he's loosed the chains, he broke the bonds, he carried the cross of our shame, but we still don't see what we're looking for. He says, now I've got something for you to do. See, this is where you come in. And God calls us into the work of bringing justice and righteousness in this anxious world. We know this because in Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus starts talking about his coming return, he gives a pretty strong clue about how he wants us to be spending our time between now and then. During the already not yet period, when he comes back, he's going to be looking for people who leaned into this tension and who sought him and who sought to build his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bible open, you can page it over just a few pages to this amazing passage, these amazing words from Jesus. Matthew chapter 25. Look how Jesus is expecting us to spend our time. He wants us to do the justice work. It's like he's saying, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to heaven. I'll come back again. But while I'm gone, it's like he tosses us the keys to the car to go do the work of justice while we wait for his return. Look what he says of the people he's, he's going to be looking for when he comes back. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, 
and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. You see, this is how Jesus is expecting us to spend our time. On this point in the timeline of history, in the already and the not yet, we see that he came into the world. He is the Messiah. He is the one. We don't need to look for someone else. He died on the cross and he rose again. And he left some of the kingdom work for us. This is our call. This is our assignment. I believe that if we took this assignment seriously, some of the things we are seeing in the world that are causing all the tension and anxiety would begin to be resolved more. Christians are really good at this. This is our unique calling in the world, is to bring righteousness and justice and love and comfort and security and peace. So that's the charge. That's the assignment. But Jesus, so often in his loving way, he doesn't just leave us with an assignment. He leaves us with a promise. In Matthew chapter 28, just a couple of pages more. He's giving some further instruction to his disciples before he leaves. And he leaves us with a promise. Matthew chapter 8, verse 20 at the end. He says, observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is an important promise. This week, I had already drafted my sermon and I had planned to tell you about Craig in prison at the beginning. And out of the blue, I haven't corresponded with Craig in four and a half years. Out of the blue, I got a letter from Craig this week. You can't make this stuff up, right? And in it, he described for me that he hasn't lost the faith and it brings him comfort to know that Jesus is with him. You see, this is a good word. Jesus is with us every day, even on our justice mission in this world, in this calling, in this assignment he's given us. He's tossed us the keys to the car. He says, I'm with you. You can't do it on your own. Trust me. I will lead you. I will guide you. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.